welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hey! And today we're talking about Volume 2 of To Your Eternity. Once again, we're going to make our way through discussing this volume through the characters, kind of talking about one character at a time. So, of course, I feel, you know, we got to start with Fushi. Okay. I guess the first thing that I wanted to touch on a bit here, it's, it's not something that was super clear, um, but it was mm-hmm. there. I thought... This is something that I think was easier to notice in the anime, but pretty early on, there's a part where March helps him to undress when he's he's in the shape of the boy, hmm. or or like he, she she helps him to change clothes into the Yanome outfit, and when she oh. takes his shirt off, we can see like it's loosely attached to his body through like little threads, kind of strings of sorts oh, wait. I, I don't know see. like i i don't blame you for not having noticed that perhaps um it's like just in, in kind of in the background of, of one panel and uh I, I just thought that was a pretty interesting little detail and i guess it's probably because this is how fushi rem- remembers the boy like with this outfit so these clothes oh. are in a sense part of who he is which is why whenever he transforms into the boy he has the clothes he has the blood on on the, on the leg and well that makes sense more lore wise you know I, it's been such it's such a thing in storytelling anime that you know when tra- people transform they usually have like the clothes on or whatever I, so i don't <laughs> really like put too much thought into it but mm. that's neat that the, she has that little detail in there yeah um, right you know that the clothes are, he produces the clothes or it produces the clothes like that's really cool exactly and that's another thing that we well i, I think it kind of works in the same sense with where another thing we learned about Fushi in this volume was that he in some way has the ability to recreate items or in some way because he created that spear that pierced him he recreated an identical one in his own hand uh, when he was right. you know in, in the prison cell mm-hmm. so this could be like the having the clothes and stuff on his body might be maybe a similar kind of mechanic potentially i mean yeah i i could see it being something similar the the narration goes as far as to, I believe, mention that when he was stabbed by that and mentioned something else he was stabbed by, maybe an arrow or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. When he's shot after run- running away. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It says like yeah. he remembers that. So right. I guess and now he uses or gaining information or whatever. So so I, I think, yeah, basically things that give him some sort of stimulus, he's able to maybe produce I don't know how far that right. goes, but yeah, right. It's it's, we'll it's interesting. So and and so yeah, it really goes for both items like like arrows, spears, and whatever. Pretty much, I mean, moss and rock and a rock. That's something that he was somehow stimulated by uh, mm-hmm. very early on, and he turned into that. So supposedly he can turn into a spear, although that would then he would lose his consciousness. Supposedly he would lose his consciousness. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, so he could either create it or become it. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, interesting stuff. And I'm, you know, exploring the, these, like, his capabilities and, like, to what extent he has different, quote-unquote, powers and stuff is mm-hmm. really interesting. And something uh, one of the many things I enjoy a lot in this series. Another thing we learned about him in this book was that he has the ability to, or maybe we 
could have somewhat picked up on it a little bit in the first one, but it became very obvious in this one that he can feel the pain of others. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was mostly through the bear in this volume. Um, but I think there was one instance with Perona as well, if I recall. Uh, but anyway, uh, the bear was definitely like the big one here. Yeah, but you know, he he did. There was a moment with Perona in this volume as well. Mm. Like she falls, she falls off, and he he says it hurts. That's yeah. what, that's what it was, right? Yeah, exactly. That's you know, it's interesting because I don't think I really picked up on that in the first volume. Maybe yeah. a little bit with with the boy, maybe. Mm. Yeah, like it, it wasn't at all as obvious. Mm. Mm-hmm. I took it more as. Fushi was just experiencing these new sensations and mm. trying to understand what was going on in his uh, limited intellect, mm-hmm. at, le- at least at the moment, at that moment. And I mean, it's growing, but it- it's still fairly limited, as it's right. mentioned or- or later on in the volume. Mm. But I, d- I didn't think it would be a-, a-, a ability that it has to sympathize or feel the pains. Or the under, or recognize the pain of others, so I I wondered if that was something that he just picked up on, hmm. they just kind of awakened inside of it at, at a certain moment, and that was right before he got to the bear, or, or well, I guess not before he got to the bear, but in that moment, he was able to pick up on the pain that the the bear was experiencing. But maybe it makes more sense if it was always there, if that ability right. was always there. Right. I, I think, although I, I'm not sure if it's intentional or if it's meant to be read in this way, but um, after, obviously, I had read up to volume 12 before the pre, like before we started this podcast. And mm-hmm. so when I, so I, I obviously need, know various things ahead of time. And so when I reread the very first chapter uh, with a boy in focus, uh, for the, our previous discussion, I seem to recall there was a moment there when, like, you could somehow see in the wolves, like, in Fushi's eyes as he's looking at the boy, some kind of how he sort of relates to some the pain that he feels or something like that, although I could be hmm. mistaken here. Uh, obviously, that's nowhere near a confirmation on an ability like that, of course, but it's like, I think it could be seen as him yeah. experiencing that even back then. But didn't couldn't understand it maybe to be fair fushi couldn't talk right he couldn't talk and when he says it hurts like that came from the the criminal that was right that tried to kill him right so Mm -hmm. he couldn't have known those words before that (laughs) so at the the very least he fushi has this ability to sympathize or understand people's pains and maybe Mm -hmm. other feelings exactly potentially yeah so that's very interesting um, and speaking of that, we like the with, in in relation to the bear, he did gain the bear's form after it died, and we learned that it was really just a normal big bear, yeah. with a bunch of arrows kind of pierced its body that made it look like that, and it's always in pain because of that, which is pretty sad. Yeah, I was surprised by that. I mm. I expected some sort of supernaturalness behind this bear, and so I I was wondering. Okay, so maybe this world isn't as supernatural as I thought, aside from Fushi. Right. But then we get to the <laughs> the end of the volume, <laughs> and that tree monster thing comes about. Okay, mm-hmm. so there is a little more fantasy to this than <laughs> than maybe I thought. Right, right. 
Yeah, it's it, it's a fun, it's like I I really personally I really like the amount of supernatural stuff in this series because it's like it definitely doesn't overdo it, but it's there mm -hmm. for like every once in a while you come across something like that and it's uh, it just makes it feel e like even more kind of fascinating I think. Yeah, I definitely was fascinated. <laughs> That's <for> yeah, sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll, I look forward to talking about that uh, tree thing later. Sure. But in that scene, when the plant-like enemy takes Fushi's forms, we learn that Fushi forgets, like, his memory of the, those forms disappear until he's able to regain them. Which seems to be not another interesting thing about Fushi. Mm. Like, he, someone that he has attained the form, the form of, if it's stolen by this creature, he won't remember them until he is able to get them back. Yeah. This kind of goes into what Perona said in this volume about Fushi, how she kind of felt bad that he wasn't able to die, so what's his purpose? Right. And she kind of wondered if he would ever find such a thing. And so I want so we were kind of speculating this last discussion, you know, what is its pur purpose? And I think we kind of get a little bit of a hint of that with this tree monster and that what the hooded figure was saying, yes. basically implying that this, this monster was there to, or at least was made to stop Fushi. And that, that Fushi, the reason that Fushi was created was to save this world. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're given that objective. Now we, we talked in the, mm -hmm. when we talked about the previous volume, we were, we were like, yeah, this story lacks an objective, but we get the objective now is to preserve this world. And that was interesting too, I thought, because um, the hooded figure says, like, he seems to in indicate that it's both his and Fushi's objective. Like, they, it's as if though they share that objective based on how he worded it. He said, we have a grand objective. So I thought that was interesting. Oh, you know, when, I, when he said we, I thought he was talking about not necessarily him and Fushi, but him and maybe some other people that he works ah, with. Ooh, I guess, I guess you can see it that way too, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Like there's some sort of group. Anyway. Right. I don't it, know. It but yours, yours <laughs> makes sense too, because he doesn't mm. exactly specify who he is. That's fair. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I have on Fushi. I have something. Okay. Fushi's rage when March got shot. Oh, yeah. Like just seeing him go like on a rampage. Uh, I think that really added to the emotional moment right there. Just seeing, because mm -hmm. that was like the first time we saw him really just get mad. Like, mm -hmm. really, because that, that's, what, that's what happened. He had grown attached to this girl, and, and then she got severely injured, and he just went crazy. And that was such a powerful moment, I think. And a big step for him as a character, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we see some emotions that we really didn't have before unless it was mm. if he was in danger, you know? Right, yeah, this yeah. Is, this is a little different. And also somehow, possibly through March's strong will, it seemed like Fuji was able to stop Perona from taking her own life. Yeah. Uh, and that was also a really interesting one. I guess this one's sort of related to March and Fuji and Perona, but... <laughs> I it, ultimately it's Fushi that does the action right. there, so I put I put that under Fushi, and that, that that's also interesting. Like, to what extent was he influenced by March in that moment, and mm -hmm. like things like that. I think 
it's it's not easy to say with certainty, but regardless, I think it was a very powerful moment too. I think it goes back to another thing we were talking about in last discussion with the boy mm. and Fushi potentially taking his will right. uh, along with him. And it's heavily implied in this volume that Fushi is now taking March's will mm. as he goes about uh, his journey now um, to learn things and um, go on an adventure, I guess. Well, not adventure, yeah. but just to learn things, experience life. Right, right. Yeah, because from the boy, he got the desire to see everything. And from March, he now got the desire to learn everything, kind of. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's very nice. It is. But sad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> it's incredibly sad. <laughs> um, do you have anything more on Fushi? Uh, something really minor is that he was able to pick up finally on how not to hurt himself when he eats <laughs> or like just doing basic things. Oh, so, yeah. Like he, he eats like the dango, but mm. he eats the stick and stabs his own lip or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then he quickly like fixes. He's like, okay, no, that's not right. And so he just <laughs> eats the... <laughs> So and yeah. and again we 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 were seeing that throughout the volume toward, at least towards the end that he has been quickly learning things hmm. uh, more or less but just I guess little progress that I noted. Yeah, dude. It, yeah, it's it's really nice to see he, like makes a mistake and then finds a way to avoid that mistake. <laughs> yeah. And hey, he even peed in the wagon. Oh yeah. And this volume. So, uh, that, that that was a. That was a first, maybe. <laughs> I, uh, I guess that's it for Fushi. Yeah. All right, then let's move on to March. Best mom, I don't care what you say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Legitimately. Yeah, like she was even the mother kind of to the bear at the end there. Like really taking care of the bear, being very motherly to it. Mm. I thought it was really nice to see just how great of a time March was having and how much she was enjoying herself when they had just gotten to Yanome and they were at the market. Yeah, and that like, was really sweet. That was, ah, uh, I just, yeah, you, you can't not smile <laughs> when you look at those pages because, <laughs> like, she's just so happy. It's contagious. So I was able, she at least got to have that, you know, before everything went to shit. Yeah. When she did take the arrow to the side like she did and... Mm dying when i first read it i i was sad but i wasn't really teared up so i, I was like i wonder why like i feel like i should be and mm. i thought maybe it's because she hasn't been with me as long as some other characters who pass away or something like that so i don't know maybe maybe that's why but for some reason in the second read through i was getting really emotional reading through that mm. through through those two chapters of basically her passing away right and and yeah, it it really had an effect on me. I don't know what what changed, but either way, I I, I it was well done in um, showing the tragedy of it, but also leaving a, a good message, I think. And in the end, teaching Fushi some important lessons about losing a mother yeah. and um, ex- learning, like the desire to learn and and grow. Totally. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about like feeling more affected by it on your reread because I. Well, I can't remember exactly how I reacted on my first read of this way back. But if I recall, on my first read of this, I didn't... I, I kind of was in denial kind of at first. You know, when she took the arrow, I was like, uh, okay, she, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I kind of was like that too, a little bit. She's not going to die here. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
so I, I guess I, I kind of kept that up. But then, obviously, as the scene goes on, yeah, like I think I did start crying there. Um, and I think it also like Oima does a pretty good job in like with March's death in like it kind of has several there's several parts to it that all kind of have the potential, I guess, to make you really sad. First, it's like mm -hmm. her taking the arrow, like just that in and of itself. Then it's the flashback to, you know, how she and Perona got to know each other, yeah. uh, which I think is another thing that could add to some emotion. Uh, and then there's the whole scene in the wagon uh, where March actually passes away. And, you know, that's also super like that. That might be the saddest moment in my opinion. Um, and then there's the whole thing as well, like on the street where Perona is attempting to kill herself because she can't stand life without March. Mm -hmm. And finally, it's them returning back to the village and you know the parents' reactions to it all and all that. So right. it it I wouldn't I don't want to use the word dragged out because that sounds negative, but. Um, yeah, it is dragged out in a positive way. <laughs> I think, like, because I think, it, like, all of these parts of this uh, of March's death affected me greatly, especially on this on this uh, second read. Even when I turned the page and and saw March getting hit with with the the arrow, like as early mm -hmm. as there, I like I legitimately started tearing up. <laughs> And I guess in that in that situation, it's mostly just like I know what's happening, like I know right. what's going to happen there, but but yeah, it it was brilliant. So the things that really kind of got me was seeing March as an adult in that purgatory, like before like passing on, it kind of just as a spirit. Right, right. It maybe also uh, used as kind of a fake out to say, oh no, March is actually okay, haha, mm. but. It, it was really sad to see her as an adult. I mean, I guess like some people was like, that's nice. But for me, it was like, that's, that's cruel. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude. It lies. <laughs> right. And, and then and what I thought was also great with that part was just seeing March realize that this is all not real. Like, yeah, she's just like, what, like four years old. I don't know exactly, but she's so, so young, but, but still she like is able to, to understand that this is all, just an illusion of her dream mm -hmm. yeah of course that that is the the cover of this volume too like right and that's what i want to get to like that is messed up like, <laughs> make that because so i didn't know that was the cover going into reading it oh, so yeah. so see so seeing her as mm. an adult in the chapter was also it was the first time for me then later on i saw the volume at a bookstore i was like what the heck mm. like this this lies <laughs> Yeah, I mean, man. technically, technically, it wasn't the volume, I guess, but still, <laughs> it's a great volume cover. Don't get me wrong; it's just right. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it toys with your emotions, especially if you know what's what's coming. Dude, oh, absolutely, and it, I, I love, I love kind of the fake out of it, even though it is very sad. It, it's it's nice to see this, to have this image of like very clearly of March's dream as it was for her. Yeah. And obviously, it's not a realistic image, you know. It's like dancing plushies and stuff. Like, it, it's very <laughs> right. It, it's really it comes from her child right. mind. Totally. Uh, but she is an adult, and and you know she's a mother, and like it's it's all that she dreamed of, and man, ah, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I think the other part that really got me was be a mommy for me when she says that to mm. Corona. 
It's like, oof. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, gosh. Basically, live, live my dream. Mm-hmm. And that hit hard. And I, I think it was, it was a, a sad, beautiful moment. I mean, it also just made me really, well, not, it wasn't that was the only reason, but it solidified how much I love Perona's and March's relationship. Yeah. It's kind of this you know, sister bond that they have going. I mean, sisterly bond. Mm-hmm. I really do love it. Not going to lie, I'm actually tearing up right now just talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, beautiful. It is. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I, I love March so much. I'm so sad to see her go. No, 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 no. She's still there. She's with Fushi. Yeah. Uh, okay, now now you got me emotional. Stop it. <laughs> We're just sitting here crying. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, well... <laughs> One last thing that I got noted down for her is the letter that she, you know, made for her parents with a oh, little yeah. handprint saying that she's doing just fine. That was also a fantastic thing that I, I loved how it was set up in the pretty much in the beginning mm-hmm. of the volume and then the payoff with it when Perona handed the parents the the letter was oh, so powerful. Yeah. So good. Oh, man. And they had been away for half a year. Yeah, that was surprising. Right, yeah. It makes sense, but it was like, oh, huh. Yeah. Been a while. Right. Like, I imagine the trip over there was pretty quick. Like, to get to Yanome was relatively quick. But then, I, so I guess a lot of time must have passed when they were imprisoned, and I guess potentially mm-hmm. also the travel back, because that was just Perona and Fushi then, and finding their way might have taken quite a while potentially yeah anything more in march i don't think i have anything else other than it just be interesting going forward to see the part she plays in in fushi's i guess journey mm-hmm. i mean we already see the end of the volume he has to kind of use her form in order to defeat defeat the monster at the very end um, that's true so it'd be, inter- true. It'd be interesting uh what kind of role that form, you know, I, I think that's the way what I should say. Right, yeah. What form that will have going forward. Yeah, I mean, basically what we've seen so far is that when Fuchi is in March's form, it seems to be his his most nimble form. And, like, he's able to climb trees mm. and, like, move around very, very freely. And yeah. I guess, like, having a child's body, you weigh very little. So it's easy to kind of, well, climb, climb and fling yourself yeah. and stuff like that. So That's true. Yeah. So moving on to Perona. Gosh, I really love her. Like, I uh-huh. was I was liking her in the first volume. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, she's cool. <laughs> this second one I was like, oh, man, she's awesome. Right? Dude. Uh, and I think you nailed one of the things about her backstory uh, last time. I think you speculated that she might have had a sister that was sacrificed, which mm-hmm. turned out to be the case. Uh, her older sister was sacrificed this at the uh, the same year when she was able to save Mart or sorry save Perona by keeping Perona away from the village during the ritual. Yeah. Uh, basically, what Perona tried to do to March, but failed at that. So help help me understand, because she leaves the cave after after her sister, you know, the food runs out, and the, or or someone finds her, like her father or something finds her, mm. and 
she finds out that her sister died and that does the village tell her that she's a disgrace for hiding or whatever and then she runs away she did leave her home village because like okay. supposedly okay. in in ninana there's like a bunch of different small villages right. and so she wasn't originally from the one where march lived but she got there after she was kind of disowned in her own village and i guess the the flashback with meeting march for the first time kind of mm. confirms that she doesn't have any family there right because that's not her original village so precisely that makes sense yeah and also with you know we everyone in her in the village where she came from everyone there seemed to really hate her after that because she didn't follow their customs their their traditions and obviously we we know that her dynamic with the villagers in March's hometown were was very different. You know, she she was loved there. Everyone was mm-hmm. super nice with her and like stuff like that. So I'm glad she found that new home at the very least. That's good. I I love the quote based on what happened uh, with her sister. She said, "I will use this life you saved for good." Yeah. And it her her character and her strong will. Uh, you're probably going to disagree with me, but this is just something that I felt as I was reading. Hmm? It reminds me of a more outgoing and talkative Mikasa from Attack on Titan. Oh. Someone who has a lot of <laughs> a lot of want to protect their loved ones and hmm. resourcefulness, but, you know, is strong-willed and able to get a job done. Yeah. That's how it reminded me. Personality-wise, they're different, but they're just the same sort of, I guess strong person i guess it for me it just reminded me of that right yeah no i I can i can get behind that (laughs) and we understand her like in in the previous volume we 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 talked about like the dreams of the main characters we had marches and the boys dreams were very were made very clear in the first book but peronas wasn't really but we understand through this one that it seems like her strong biggest dream was to put an end to these old twisted traditions in Ninana Mm. and to basically make sure no more innocent girls have to die because of it. And I think, I guess it's a, it's left a bit ambiguous because the last we see of her in this book, she was feeling devastated over having missed when she tried to kill Hayase. And we don't know really what happens after that. Right. So whether or not she succeeded with her mission or with her dream, if it came true. I guess we don't know that. Yeah. So it, it was great to see that ending for Perona. And she hit she hit Hayase, but didn't kill her. So that, you know, she missed. Hmm. Um, but then, then they have their separate ways. Or she was able to send Fushi off before that. But I've really fallen in love with this character. Not, I mean, I mean it's not like I'm in, oh my gosh, I'm in love. Kind of <laughs> no, but I got you. I get you. You know, I, I really like her character. But now it feels like the story is going completely away from her and almost as if it's 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 like we won't go back to that. Which would be very sad for me if that's the case. Yeah, no, I feel you. I guess we'll see. Yeah. At the very least, she has been a fantastic character for these two books. True. True. And who knows? She might return. We don't, we don't know. Mm. The last thing I had on her was just like... When March had like pretty much literally just died in the wagon and Perona pretended to eat her cooking, that 
little little gesture kind of it just made me cry even more than I already was. Uh, <laughs> that was that was a great little little part I thought. Indeed. Uh, just a couple other things I had. She was able to stay. She really stayed calm throughout the whole volume, even though she had like a really close rape scene that all of a sudden I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, she handled that one very, very good. She handled that so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, the other thing that I was impressed with is her talking to March uh, on the, on the car or in the in the wagon when people were shooting at them. She's she was just so calm and trying to keep March calm. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was incredibly well done by her. Then lastly, just the the escape in general was just legendary. I think. Honestly, I thought it was gonna fail because she, because she went over her plan. Mm. And I guess in some, in, in some aspects, it it was changed a little bit, but it, she she succeeded in getting out. And that that was great. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she had to like start off the plan in, in a different way, she was able to right. kind of get back on track very nicely. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, just in general, I I really liked Perona and. I know I said this already, but I really hope she comes back in the story. I really, <laughs> yeah. Dude, me really too. Me want too. Her back. <laughs> I love her as well. Uh, so, moving on to Hayase. I was completely wrong about this woman, <laughs> supposedly. Unless she comes back somehow, which she could. She could. But I really thought there would have been more depth to just who she is and why she does it. But it it really just kind of made her to be fairly one note. So I don't know. I, it's, if if she never comes back, it's almost wasted potential in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I, I could be speaking too early. <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, she, she Obviously, we didn't get too much depth on her here, but she definitely, that, like she plays the role of a villain, I suppose, really, really well. I think she really has this intimidating aura about her and especially now like at the end of it like the last we saw of her she had that like massive scar like all over her face like damn yeah she's like yeah <laughs> even more scary now <laughs> yeah that that definitely was frightening yeah um and it seems like she's very well known in yanome or well like, there was some street vendor like that called her like master hayase uh when when they got into yanome the first time and mm. so it seems like her status is pretty high in uh, in that country. Yeah. Speaking of y- Yonome, it was really it was neat to see that that city, and we, we you know we mentioned like the wholesome moments. Mm. I was really expecting the stay there to be longer, and so I was kind of surprised when they oh. made their escape and you know left the city and everything. I was like, huh. Right. I didn't. I felt like we didn't get in a whole lot of time here. <laughs> no. Th- no. That that's very true. We did get to learn some into like a little bit more kind of on on like the relation between uh, Yanome and Ninana. That's uh, true. So that that was interesting. Like one of the things that I that, that I thought was a, a cool little detail or an interesting little detail was how uh, maps are apparently not a thing in Ninana. Like they they are mm. just like and and writing too. Like they don't write. Or anything like that. Yeah, just not um, really and enough. And Hayase seemed to want to keep it that way. Like when the mm. the guy kind of showed a map to to them, and like they were like, "Well, what's that?" He's like, "It's a map." And Hayase just like, "No, get that away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't don't show them that." Uh, 
so it, it definitely seems like some sort of like it seems like Yanome is performing some kind of propaganda on on Inanna. Like, well, they're they're withholding information, right, and, and kind of hindering their development in a lot of ways. I mean, they basically want their land for themselves. Like, they they don't yeah. they they don't want them becoming a big people, big culture mm. that is able to fight back. I guess you could say. Right. So, basically, keep them in control. Precisely. And Yaname was mentioned again uh, later on when Fushi was traveling with Pioran. Uh, and true. When they were at the boat, she was pointing at, like, it looked like some coastline was burning, maybe, or something like that, if I understood that correctly. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand. There was some sort of light. She says that's how they fight. Like, yeah. that's how the Yaname fights every day. Oh, is it fire or is it? Are they just having a party? Like I, I don't know. They, like my my best guess is that the Yanome use like fire, like a, in in war. Perhaps is is that mm-hmm. maybe the way that it should be interpreted? I'm not entirely sure. I have no idea. I I, I was a little confused by it. She says that like the sky is red, uh, mm-hmm. like over there, and and then she says the Yanome fight like that every day, in Takunaha. The place we're going so i guess it's a war between takunaha and yaname maybe but maybe that's a, a yaname city hopefully we'll learn more about that yes she used something called the western morning glory uh hayase uh uh-huh. to get fushi march and perona to fall asleep i mean morning glory is a plant that i know of i didn't right. know, i don't think i really knew you could use it as a sedative or a sleeping drug or something yeah, I wonder if it's re- like if it works in like for real, or if, it, if if this Western Morning Glory is more fantasy esque, perhaps. Mm. But I just thought I'd point that out. Anything more on Hayase? Other than we know that she was very eager in getting, I guess the the leaders of her people to somehow use Fushi for their own good. Yeah. You know, they oh, we could use this for the betterment of the Yanome people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's related to, like, if if they could somehow, through Fushi, find the secrets of immortality and use it to, to become immortals themselves. If that's what her thinking is, perhaps. Because I feel like that that's a pretty common trope. Yeah. I just wonder if they want to use them as a weapon, Mike. That too. I mean, I'm sure. You know, maybe that's too obvious. I don't know. I mean, I could really see both of those being reasons why he's attractive. Moving on to Pioran, the old woman, the fake shaman, <laughs> yeah. uh, who is apparently a criminal, at least to Yanome. So is she herself a Yanome or not? Uh, no, supposedly supposedly not. Uh, she says that she came from somewhere across the sea and that okay. th- that was where she was going to bring Fushi. And she has a lover there, presumably. <laughs> An intellectual. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that should be exciting to potentially meet him. It's nice that Pioran is able to become Fushi's teacher, kind of a mentor, teaching him the language language and how to write. Yeah. Teaching him everything that uh, you would hope you would have wanted March to learn. Exactly. Right? And that March oh, would have obviously. wanted to learn herself, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just not how it goes. Fushi's doing mm. it for her. Right, exactly. Exactly. 
he's fulfilling all of these dreams of the boy and end of March. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah, I agree. It was super nice to see like him being taught by, by Pioran and, and really the great progress he made in, in speaking, especially yeah, uh, learning like all these words and like he was legitimately like speaking sentences and like having conversations at the end. Right. Uh, well, obviously, like and... s- slightly lacking, but still a little broken. But mm. I mean, surprisingly deep. Because mm. I can't think of the word. Surprisingly deep for how little words he can use, because he's able to somehow describe his feelings about the boy and his emotions that or at least those sensations that he had. Exactly. And that and that was probably something I should have said in Fushi's thing, but uh, I guess we're here. So Yeah. But yeah. it's you know, he's gotten to this point where he's able to articulate those those memories that he has. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's really far in, in pr- progression because you look at animals in real life, they you know, obviously they can't really articulate very well their emotions mm. and um let alone their their memories, they could press buttons or draw pictures. Some of them can, but to articulate and and describe what they're feeling, or even in the past, mm-hmm. is a quite quite a big progress in my opinion. So it's it's really neat to see that. Absolutely. I know I was looking way too deep into that, but uh, no, no, it was no, a thought I had. <laughs> it's good, yeah. No, and I I think I I, I agree with you. Anything more on Piorin? I don't really have much other than she's she's a funny character, but yeah, you know, she means well. Right, totally. Yeah, she she she's good. She's a good person. Then moving on to the narrator, or the hooded man, mm-hmm. um, or the creator, or the beholder, or whatever you want to call him. I don't want to call him, but this yeah. is this is the one that's narrating, right? Yes, I I'm okay. pretty sure that's what the implication is because at least in the physical volumes. Uh, his speech bubbles are written with the same font as his narration uh, boxes. I don't know if it's the same on Crunchyroll where you're reading. Yeah, I don't think I uh, picked that up. Okay. Gotcha. But yeah, it's 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 him. It's the narrator. It's cool. And so he stops time and he shows himself to speak to Fushi, mm-hmm. which was really like a very very cool moment. And I will say, <laughs> in the manga, it wasn't as like well portrayed i'd say as it is in the anime adaptation uh this episode came out yesterday as of us recording this uh <laughs> so i just saw it kind of for the first time uh and it like that moment when time just freezes like the leaf just freezes in the air and everything just yeah everything just freezes and then he just emerges from the earth with a hood there like seeing that animated was so badass like just so hype (laughs) just gotta say and he presents that plant-like creature uh that still fushi's forms as the enemy um and i guess we can talk about that creature kind of in relation to like in this talk here with the narrator too because i feel like they were they appeared in the same scene in this book at, at least and i think they there is some sort of connection maybe between them at least i had a theory that Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I don't think he created that creature, but I think maybe someone else with similar powers as him right. created that plant-like adversary, potentially. Mm-hmm. My thought was this was created for some reason to stop Fushi from completing its objective. And I think basically that's what the the, the chapter says. 
but who created it? That's that's a great question. Right. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. So just why why is it stopping it? Like why why mm-hmm. is it why is that its purpose? I mean, yeah, I guess dude. you could. Well, why is why does Fushi have that purpose? I don't... <laughs> yeah, there's still a lot of questions. Like, was Fushi made in order to stop this thing, or was this thing made to stop Fushi? Like, Precisely. Like, you know, which came first, the Fushi or the plant? <laughs> right. Yeah. Really, because if it was like if Fushi came to the Earth, yeah, it, it could have been there to just hinder his thing. But it, it's also possible that Fushi was sent to the Earth to help to preserve it because this thing had been put on earth to make it yeah. unpreserved <laughs> so yeah really i guess maybe the story will clarify that at some point would be interesting i mean i imagine i imagine it probably will yeah but he, yeah. he here's something so when when he takes when, when fushi takes the core out mm. it disappears right or it dies or something like that yeah somehow it dies or uh, like he absorbs the the souls or whatever uh, that it took however mm-hmm. that worked yeah so now does that mean this one in particular is gone i, I mean because i imagine there's going to be uh, others going forward maybe mm. i mean if, it, if there's one there's bound to be more that right try to impede his path but it, mm. is it the same will it be the same one or different ones to me it seems like it'd be different ones because yeah. it seems pretty Fine, finite that it's it's dead <laughs> yeah i agree yeah that, that definitely looked like like it died yeah i'm excited to explore th- this part of the story more in the future volumes as well indeed yeah it's it's very fascinating as as we were talking about before you know we have a grand ob- objective mm-hmm. uh, you know the narrator will speak to him again uh and he says let's have fun it's like i mean that <laughs> That's a little ominous, especially for someone who says we're doing it to preserve the world. Right. But I guess, you know, it seems like a little bit of a, a, a tonal difference, uh, you know, a different measure of uh, seriousness <laughs> between yeah. the two things. Right. But I guess you could argue that part of Fushi's objective and the journey he's on is to enjoy life. Enjoy the experience mm. of like experience the pains and the sorrows, but also the happiness and the joy. Yeah. So to to tell him to have fun, maybe maybe not incorrect. I don't know. Just yeah. Thought it was interesting. For sure. Oh, oh I, and then and then until the coming end is exactly is, is, is the final part of that. Yeah, he he's very interesting. Like, it's hard to know exactly where he stands, kind of, just based on how he speaks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I do enjoy him. <laughs> it's almost like. I don't know if I should see him as benevolent or malevolent. I mean, well, I, it's probably neither, but <laughs> it's you know, is his intentions really really the best for the world, or is this some sort of messed up person kind of a yeah. kind of thing? I I'm not entirely sure. I'm obviously just trying to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many, there's so much we don't know, so it is hard to kind of grasp it all this early my last thing on the narrator is that i of course i can't be sure i mean his his design is kind of generic kind of in a in a way but part of me feels like maybe oima took inspiration with his design from 
an old Swedish film from the 50s. Like, it's a black and white, but oh. it's like a world-famous film, though, called... In English, it's called The Seventh Seal. Maybe you recognize the title. Oh. Um, it's like... Supposedly, it's like a massive, like, worldwide hit uh, from the 50s. Um, I have seen it. It does kind of ring a bell, but it also mm. kind of rings a bell from a Christian standpoint as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it... it Probably it means something in Christianity, perhaps. It, it, it deals with, like, the Crusades and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, Death is a character in The Seventh Seal who appears on a number of occasions. And there, there's, like, the, the, the most famous scene from that film is, like, there's a knight who is supposed to die, but he gets a chance to kind of extend his life by playing chess against Death. And basically, for, for for as long as he can, like, avoid losing the game, he can continue living, kind of. Oh, you know what? I've seen, like, parodies of that. Uh, oh, I'm sure you have, various yeah. Various forms of media. Oh, okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's from that film. Well, I kind of, I kind of want to watch the film now. It, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's... Uh, I don't know if I would recommend it super, oh. like, a, a lot... I mean, it's not bad. I mean, it's obviously, it's well, it's world famous for a reason, I, I guess. But anyway, anyway, um, Death has a very similar design in that film as, as Oima drew, draws this guy. And I just feel like it's possible that she was inspired by that in the design, potentially. But of course, I, I can't know for sure. I mean, because obviously this story deals a lot with Death as well. And so, and we, we don't know if this guy is supposed to be, like, a, a personification of death. We, it seems like it's maybe, that's maybe not the case. But regardless, the story is, deals very much with it. And so I feel like there is reason to think that maybe that is, like, that maybe she did get some inspiration in his design from there. So I, I just mm -hmm. wanted to mention that. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything more on the narrator or the plant adversary thing? I do not. All right, then any other thoughts on, I guess, the world or predictions or anything in general that you'd like to say? <laughs> I, did, I love how the, the final chapter ends off. Uh, he just, it's like, what was that? Or what was going on? It's like, don't know. That was weird. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> right? I love that expression. <laughs> so uh, funny. Like a little child. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um yeah. and then so so minor but when <laughs> they were eating the udon in yanome yeah i think it was udon Could have yeah it looked like it looked like it yeah uh and she was using the chopsticks like uh march and perona were kind of like snickering at her or whatever for using <laughs> the chopsticks that way and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and they have like the chopsticks in their hair yeah, <laughs> and she just kind of makes a, a snide remark about it, and they're all they're all embarrassed about it or whatever. Like Panora's look when she has the chopsticks sticking out of her hair, she's like, "How dare you! <laughs> yes. I know what chopsticks are for." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cute. it was that. That was a, an awesome scene. Yeah, we should all wear our chopsticks behind our ears instead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the only sensible thing. Right. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, volume. Oh, I think I enjoyed this volume even more than the first one. Mm -hmm. The first one definitely grabbed my attention with that, you know, the first chapter of what's going on. 
Mm-hmm. But this one, we we kind of get we get a somewhat vague but solid objective, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and we get so you know it's such a, so many emotional parts and, and great character moments um, that I hope come you know some of those characters come back. But yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, overall, I I, I really enjoy this volume. Yeah, the first one really kind of helped set this book up in a lot of ways, like especially mm-hmm. with like March and. Perona, um, yeah. and and Pioran too. True. Yeah, it really it was a brilliant volume. I think I'd also say this one was probably overall stronger than the first one, even though the first the very first chapter is still like so dear to me, um, like first chapter of the first volume. Um, but yeah, this one was better overall. Uh, just really got going much better, which makes sense. You know, it's further into the story now, mm-hmm. and I am super stoked for volume three and four. Because I don't know if I mentioned it before, but those two are my two favorite volumes, I think. You did. And I'm very curious <laughs> why that is. Because as far as I understand, we're, we're going to get like potentially a cast of characters that I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> like, potentially. <laughs> potentially. Unless, unless somehow Perona comes back along with Hayase. Mm. Um, it could be just a whole new group. So I was like, wow, for this, for three and four to be his favorite, and we've had March die in this volume, and basically we said goodbye to Perona. What what happens? So I'm very I'm very excited to to read. I hope you don't get like overly excited so that it's like a disappointment when you get there. Uh, oh, I mean I, I don't know. Well now well now I'm now I'm feel I'm gonna get disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you don't. <laughs> but yeah, I I guess I guess that is it for our discussion. If you enjoyed this content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga. If you like this episode, please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time where we'll talk about Volume 3. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.